Welcome to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast. We're so happy you're here today to learn about how to create fresh perspectives on profitability, people, productivity, and finding peace in your small business. Today, we're going to dive into people and more specifically, the science of bias and disconnection. So get ready because this is what your business and you need to hear and work on right now. So hi, business rock stars. My name is Maggie Mongan, and I am your host today. I'm a tenured master business coach and strategist for almost 20 years now. I am the CEO of Brilliant Breakthroughs, Inc., a coaching practice that specializes in guiding small businesses to optimize business performance and leadership. I'm all about improving the underserved small business sector, and I honestly believe small businesses are the accelerant of our economy that so much so I inadvertently founded a number one best-selling business book series for small businesses. But don't worry, we'll share more about that a little later. Most importantly, like all good things, I didn't do it alone. I invited tenured experts to join me in the authoring process. And today we have with us one of our tenured experts, a number one international best-selling business author, Susan McCustion. And she educates business leaders on how to resolve conflict, reduce stress, and improve profitability by being resilient and, and, oh, by building, not being, well, that too. (laughs) (laughs) By building resilient and inclusive workplaces. So here's a big welcome to our returning author in our series, Susan McCustion. Welcome back. You ready to share some more wisdom today? Yeah, you know, I feel like I want to hit a little. (sighs) (laughs) The crowd goes wild. (laughs) Hey, baby, how you doing? (laughs) Good. We're good. So, so let's do this. Let's take them there. You ready? Let's, let's go. Okay. So you um, are a returning author. You are in volume two, which is the green emerald green covered book. And you cracked it open for us, helping us realize that we really haven't progressed as much as we thought we had in the whole um, people thing. (laughs) Right. <laughs> you know, which is sort of funny and sad all in one. Yeah. Um, so then you you came back and you expanded the story and where we're at and what we need to focus on now. So in volume four, which is the one with the beautiful amethyst purple cover, and that's what we're talking about today. It's titled Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner, Fresh Perspectives on Profitability, People, Productivity, and Finding Peace in your business. Now, everything you do can hit on each one of those four performance pillars, right? Oh, I, yep. I absolutely believe it. Yes. And, and it, boy, if people don't get it after reading this book's chapter, which is titled the hidden cost of doing business, they're missing the boat. So I'm really thrilled that you're with us today, Susan, because our listeners need to go ahead and take heed on what you're about to share personally and professionally, because we're in this innovative and transformative time. Now, that doesn't mean that two years ago, this wasn't applicable because it definitely is. The thing is, it's gotten really, really more applicable now, I think. (laughs) Right. It's it's a necessity. Yeah. 
And we need to embrace it and say, okay, I, I, I just have to learn how to do this better. And we all need to learn how to do it better. So should we just quit talking about this and jump into the topic? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, I started to talk a little bit about this stuff back in the other um, uh, in the in the other chapter. And I know we got into it in a few podcasts, but uh, let's let's just kind of continue there. Okay, let's go. So let's start with the big trigger word in this title. Um, today, I said the science of bias and disconnection. Yeah. Ooh, there it is. Bias. Bias. Oh, no. <laughs> You're biased, Maggie. You know, yes. Thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> That should be everybody's response. <laughs> it, it should be. You're right. So we talked about this in our, our past episode number 58, where I, I asked you to say, in simple terms, what is bias? Because we get screwed up on this yeah. word. It's the trigger word for sure. And you said, it's really difference. Pre preference. Oh, preference? Yeah. Yeah. Bias is preference, right? Oh, I'm sorry. Right. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. So bias, yes. It just means that we have a preference. We, we prefer something over another something, right? right? Right. Okay. So can we revisit this just for a minute to lay some groundwork for this talk? Because obviously with the title of the science of bias and disconnection, we need to take everybody back a little bit, but I encourage all of our listeners to go back to episode 58 because it'll, this will make much more sense. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Maggie. And I, you know, bias really is such a trigger word. And, and it's one of those where, you know, I jokingly said, Hey, Maggie, you're biased. You know, we use it to insult each other. And the fact of the matter is we are all biased. And, and because we use it to insult each other, it's one of those things that people are very resistant to. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm an eternal optimist. I, I believe that 99% of us wake up in the morning with really good intentions uh, to go to work, to make a decent living, to take care of our families, to connect with our friends, all of that kind of good stuff. I really don't believe that we wake up in the morning trying to figure out how we're going to hurt others, but inevitably, we do. And I believe that's because we don't understand our biases or our own preferences and, and how those preferences and perspectives may exclude others. Okay. So when we get back to this idea of, of what is bias, research shows that our brain process, our brains process about 11 million million pieces of information at any given time. I, I don't know who counted that. I'm sure it's, you know, people hooked up to monitors and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> 11, 11 million. When you think about it though, doesn't that just, I mean, that sounds like incredible, like the incredible power of our brains. I've heard, you know, I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I don't want to say it, but you know, there's something with the, the energy in the brain can light up like a, a city a block or something crazy like that. Right. But, um, you know, 11 million pieces of information but it can really only handle about 50. And even that still sounds like a lot, right? But for, for folks here, um, if, we start, if we start counting, if, if you're listening, you're listening to our voices, maybe at the same time you're looking at your phone, your body's registering the temperature in the room or the light around you, your bottom in the chair, if you're standing up, you know, 
it's, so it's, it's taking in maybe about 50 of these things and it is set up to gather new information in unfamiliar situations and compare it to data it's gathered in the past. And so that's what a bias is. Oh, right? so, so that's like artificial intelligence, except it's intelligence. Intelligence. <laughs> that's exactly right? I mean, that's, it's how we learn, right? We learn all this information. We come across something new. Our brain goes, what do I have to compare this to? It tries to compare it to and categorize it. Right. And then if it can't find anything to compare it to, it registers it as a threat. But that's a whole nother conversation. Yes, <laughs> but, it is. Right. But our but this this preference, you know, is just our way for doing things. It's the way that we learn. And it's not the bias itself that matters because we are all biased. Bias just makes us human. It's what we do with the biases, how we react as a consequence of the bias that can positively or negatively impact the people we're working with, our businesses, our customers, our employees, all of that stuff. Um, and and I, more than all of this, I just don't believe that we can solve some of the systemic issues that are finally coming to a critical head in our society unless we understand what's happening from a more holistic point of view. So we're all part of the system. We're all connected. We've all got these biases. Um, and, and really with this pandemic and what we've been through this last year, it's, it's putting more of a focus on these than we've ever had before. You know, well, that's a fact. And I, I want to come back to that in a moment. But knowing that our topic was bias, I was thinking about how we've talked about technology bias. Right, exactly. And we that's something we would never consider as a bias. It's just a preference. But we're taught this as young children. What's your favorite color? Mm-hmm. Right. That, that's a preference we're teaching yep. bias, you know, this over that. Yeah. And and it's it's everywhere. Yeah. In our in our life experience. And that's why I said, Oh, well, I thank you for noticing because Yes, I do have preferences. We all do. And I love how you said it's not that having a preference, a bias is bad. That's not it at all. Yeah, it just it just is. And I think, you know, I think we've mentioned this before. I just I just love to kind of buck against some of these little myths that that are <laughs> out there. And there's this myth about we can get rid of bias. I mean, one of the, you know, there's a lot of people out there making a lot of money on bias training or unconscious bias training or whatever you want to call it. Um, and the fact of the matter is you can't get rid of it. Again, no. it's how it's how our brains work, right? And so, you know, that's that's a that's a big myth. Um, but we can become aware of it and and change our actions as a result of it. It's important to become aware of it. So there's a whole bunch of studies that are done on bias. And uh, this, this one is always interesting to me. And it, it just kind of was, you were saying, you know, the, the interviewing process and that kind of stuff. Um, did you know that if, if we were interviewing, you were, I was interviewing you for a job, Maggie, and I was drinking a glass of ice water. I was, I would probably rate you less favorably than if I was holding a warm cup of coffee. That one I don't know, but Isn't I do that know that height is a height is big another one. one. Absolutely, height is another one. Um, you know, with the drinks, what does our brain do? 
we're holding a warm cup of coffee, our brain triggers warmth and projecting that onto you. We're holding a cold, you know, iced tea or a glass of water. I'm feeling cold that that projects onto you. Okay, so this this is perfect because that's talking about how we're all connected and we're connected mm-hmm. in ways that we have no idea that yep. we are connected. So yep. let's talk about this because the other part of our conversation is the science behind disconnection. So what is the science, you little mathematician, you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you know, I think we're we're kind of in a, a, a bit of a quandary now because we, we are supposed to say, you know, be staying separate to, you know, help uh, prevent uh, further spread of, of um, COVID-19. And the fact of the matter is we're not designed to be separate for long periods of time. Human beings are, are social animals. Right. Uh, and so in communities where, where high levels of bias exist, people are less likely to trust and bond with each other. And that also leads to this this lack of social connectedness. So we've got the pandemic, we're disconnected. If we've got high levels of bias that we're unaware of and we're acting negatively on that bias, we're less likely to trust and bond, we disconnect. Um, And the fact of the matter is when we're disconnected like this, it's more detrimental to our health than obesity, smoking, and high blood pressure. Wow. So those are some of the traditional risk factors, right? Doctors talk about, you know, make, make sure your weight's controlled, stop smoking, you know, keep your blood pressure down. But when we're not connected, that's even worse for our health than those things. That's fascinating. Okay. So I think you're going to take us there, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and again, because of this connected this, you know, these, these acts of bias, take a physical, mental, and emotional toll on all of us. It doesn't matter if uh, we are, are the person that the discrimination or the bias is directed towards. It doesn't matter if it's the person, if, if we're the person who is acting out or if we're even watching an event that goes on. So it really gets into the holistic and connected nature of all of this. None of us is unaffected by acts of bias and discrimination. And, and an even more interesting fact is that researchers have found that even perceived discrimination. So you don't have to actually even be discriminated against. If I think I'm being discriminated against, it's actually associated with increased mortality in older adults. Hmm. Okay, so... You just said victims, perpetrators, and observers. Can we walk through each one of those? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because absolutely. I don't think when we hear bias, I don't think we see ourselves as that. And even when we think of COVID, other than, you know, I don't get to go on vacation. I can't hang out with my friends like I used to. You know, we don't do dinner at our favorite dining joint anymore. We don't think of victim, perpetrators, and observers, do we? No, I, I don't think so. I, I don't think so. And, and again, that's once you, just those three groups, everybody, <laughs> it's everybody, it's the connection, right? And so, you know, we're talking here about these acts. It's not the bias itself. It's the acts of discrimination that result as um, because of the bias, um, as a manifestation of the bias, but first victims. So obviously, right, uh, there's physical pain. Uh, if people are beaten, if they're shot, 
right? And, and those kinds of things can also have a um, profound mental effect. Right. Right. That one Ex we get. That one we get. That's right. pretty obvious. Exclusion, though, is processed by the brain as physical pain. So when we're socially rejected, our brains release the same opiates into our systems as when we experience that physical pain. And so this could be as easy as, you know, it, it, you know back, back in the day when we were all together in the office and a group went out to lunch and if I wasn't invited to lunch, right, that's social exclusion, uh -huh. right? I, I think in, in this day and age, you know, people are getting together over, uh, over Zoom and, and what if I find out like, you know, my family or my friends got together over Zoom and they didn't invite me, right? Social exclusion, okay? Okay. Registers as physical pain. Okay, so... I think a lot of us understand that from bullying on the playground mm -hmm. as kids, yeah, that's a great analogy. Yep. right? And it shows up and all of a sudden we're sick. We don't want to go to school. I mean, we've seen, we've seen it all play out. Well, the same exactly. thing can happen in workplaces. We just have different clothes. Mm -hmm. We have a greater vocabulary and we're adults versus children but we can still be creating the exact same experience for people. Yep. Yep. You know, exactly. and, and bullying and exclusion are a little different, but the end result is the same. Yeah. Okay. Yep. For the, for the victim, right? Yep. Absolutely. Okay. So, so victims, we tend to understand. Yep. Now let's talk about the perpetrators. Yeah. And I think this, this is one that I think people, when I talk about compassion, right? I think this is this is one of the ones that people have difficulty with because they say, well, they're hurting others. Why should I feel sorry for them? Okay. And, and so we want to go and attack them. And it's it it creates this vicious cycle. Okay. And and we do know that when things like racism, sexism, homophobia, when those are brought to the attention of those that are engaging in such in, in, in that kind of behavior, they experience a strong mix of negative emotions such as fear and guilt. And so what that actually does is it blocks their ability to develop further awareness. And, and so they get, they avoid people, they get defensive with this. And, and so when we've blocked their ability for awareness, remember what I said all the way back at what, 10, 15 minutes ago when we started, we have to become aware of the biases. But if I'm pointing my finger at you and I'm yelling at you because you're being a jerk, well, nobody wants to listen to that. Right. And so what do they do? They shut down and then they just aren't even open anymore. And so it's not, it just perpetuates the bad behavior that's out there. And, and I think that this is even worsened with this cancel culture that's mm -hmm. out there now. Mm -hmm. uh, so this idea that, um, you know, if, if you do something bad, then I'm going to go out and, you know, whatever, attack you on social media or release your, um, uh, your address and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and that does nothing to help build compassion uh, within, uh, within our communities. Okay. So the perpetrator already has a disconnect right 
right? And then when they are shamed for their action, that actually creates a further disconnect. And, and it's very fascinating when, you, when we think about that. The whole thing is we want them to connect because if they would connect, they most likely wouldn't behave the way that they just did. Exactly. So by pointing out their lack, we actually help them in a way that we hadn't thought of to continue to behave unfavorably. Right. Exactly. And, wow. and I, I want to be clear, this doesn't excuse behavior. It doesn't mean we shouldn't punish people for, you know, hurting other people or anything like that. Right. Right. You know, at all. You know, and right. When, when we're just kind of having, you know, discussions with each other or somebody's just, you know, I shouldn't say just, if somebody's verbally abusing somebody and we want to point that out, um, you know, that becomes, you, you, yes, punish the behavior and we have to understand what's at the root of that behavior. You know, I saw a quote recently, you know, hurt, hurt people, hurt people. Right. Right. Fear creates a lot of this. And so what, it, what is at the root that is making people think that it's okay to act out in this way? And yet we have to find a way to bring their attention to this so that they become aware of it and it doesn't perpetuate. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Now, here we have victims, we have perpetrators, and number three is? Observers. Observers. Okay, bring it on. Yeah. So here's like more, again, the way our brains work is so fascinating to me, but simply watching an event triggers a a special class of neurons in our brain to engage. And those are called mirror neurons. And mirror neurons are brain cells that fire when we watch somebody else do something. So for example, you know, if you, have you ever, Maggie, when you're, you see somebody stub their toe and you go, Ooh, like, like you can almost <laughs> feel them stubbing their toe or jamming their finger. Right. That's your mirror neurons. Or a broken work. leg or something yeah, in a movie. Yeah, you go, oh. exactly. Or trip, <laughs> trip on the, and you know, skin their, you know, fall forward and skin their knees and their hands. And you're like, ow, right. Um, that kind of stuff. Those are the mirror neurons at work. And so those things fire when we witness these events and they fire when we witness traumatic events and think about what happened this summer, what really triggered things off this summer was the killing of George Floyd, mm-hmm. right? And people were watching that video over and over and millions upon millions of views worldwide, right? the trauma that was going on in our own brains just from observing that, right? Because our brain is now reacting as if, wow, what is, is this happening to me, right? This idea of cortisol, adrenaline, all those other harm, harmful hormones and chemicals like are released into our systems when we're harmed are getting released because we're witnessing these things. And, and the purpose of mirror neurons is, is to help us really create empathy, right? But what we're doing now is we're witnessing these events. We're creating stress on our own body, very unhealthy stress. Okay. 
So we take it on as if we are experiencing it ourselves. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Our- a long time ago when, when video games came out and they started moving to the, the warrior type games, there was great uh, uprising about that. Yeah. And here's the science to prove that that isn't so favorable for us as humans. Yeah. I, I, there's certain movies I won't watch anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Certain kinds or, yeah. you know, events occurring. I, I'm with you on that. Okay. So we have victims, we have perpetrators, and we have observers. Mm-hmm. So what is all of the disconnection that we are experiencing now in a time that we are saying social distance, social distance, social distance. <laughs> you know, it's like warning Will Rogers, warning Will Rogers. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, so we're not doing something that's so favorable and yet it is in one aspect and it isn't in another. So we have to yeah. figure well, out how yeah. to play this out. Right. How, how do you balance this? Right. And so you know, in, in my nearly 25 years of, of doing this work, I really don't recall a more divisive and, and polarized time. So again, the social turmoil, the political turmoil, it's difficult uh, to escape and being forced apart doesn't help each other. And, and so, you know, every time we turn on the news, you know, there's something about people being mistreated, excluded, harmed, and, and it leaves us feeling just very stressed out in every aspect of our lives. Um, you know, we're, we're getting tired of all this distancing. We, we are um, just past uh, Thanksgiving weekend. And uh, I know the, the, the Dr. Burks at the CDC had said today, if you traveled for Thanksgiving, just assume you've got COVID and go get tested and make sure that you, uh, you know, you, you isolate. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and why were people traveling? Well, because they were tired of, of that social distancing that, that's out there. But the fact of the matter is when we don't, there is that danger of an increased spread of, of the disease. And, and so, you know, we're, we're you know, it, it totally stinks to be away from our extended family and friends during these times, but for our health, it's really imperative, uh, imperative to do so. Um, the, the other issue is, you know, mentally too, you know, when, when what's happening with, with this COVID is we're starting to behave as if other people are a direct threat to our well-being. Um, you know, I know even if I go out walking in the neighborhood, you know, I see somebody coming toward me, I or they will split to the other side of the street. Right. And I'm thinking, you know, mentally what this is doing. I, I have a, a friend, a much younger friend who um, has an 18 month old child. And, and uh, actually, I, I talked about this in, in the book interview the day that we released the book. Um, they've taught the child to sign language, uh, to use sign language. And uh, the child saw a friend coming near and wanted to run up and hug his friend right? Because that's what kids do. They just want to hug up, run up and hug their friends. And his dad had to tell him no. And uh, his, his son was signing, you know, please, please. And no, you can't do that. And to think that what this is doing to that child's brain about safety and connection, when we're designed for connection, we mm-hmm. are all connected, right? And so um, the thing is, we are spending more time in, indoors, you know, this, this prolonged isolation is, is adversely affecting us physically, mentally, emotionally. And so what do we do? We connect on social media. Well, 
social media. What's the Netflix special everybody's into now? This the social social dilemma, right? All you got to do is watch that and watch how screwed up social media is for our biases. Because all it does is feed us the stuff that we like. It supports bias. It supports our biases, indeed. And and so, you know, in addition to all this now, the, the stress, you know, we've got fear and worry for our own health, our loved ones, the financial situations. Uh, we do experience changes in, in sleep or uh, eating habits. Um, we have, a, you know, we've got a difficulty uh, sleeping, concentrating, we worsen chronic health problems when we're under stress. Again, that cortisol, that kind of stuff gets released, uh, mental health conditions, and uh, I, I, probably an obvious one, right? Increased use of, of uh, drugs and uh, things like tobacco and, and alcohol to help ease some of what's going on. And so it's really is um, a stressful time uh, with this pandemic and it's not, it's not helping us with these, uh, with the lack of connection that's there. Well, it it is fascinating. The first Christmas song that I heard for the year was Burl Ives, the grandfather of oh, all Christmas. Yeah. And it was, have a holly jolly Christmas. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's both good and bad this year. <laughs> I'm like, people are going to work to be extra jolly because they're so disappointed and discouraged with all of these things that we're speaking of. So it, you know, it, it should be no surprise to us that things that we typically wouldn't see beyond the uprise yeah. are. Yeah. And on the other hand, this isn't necessarily all bad because it's helping us become more aware of how these things seep into our well-being and destroy our well-being. So there's, there's going to, I think we're going to see another huge leap in self-care coming about. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that, that is the positive side to some of these things. But let's, let's do this. Can we talk about, hmm, let's see, how do we build stronger, more compassionate connections during these times? How do we do yeah, this? Well, thing? you know, one thing you just mentioned is the self-care. We've got to take care of our health. You know, all that stuff we always hear about eating well, getting rest, exercising. It's even more important now than ever. Uh, why? Because, you know, like exercise releases dopamine, right? It, it helps. Uh, it helps with that, uh, that those good feelings. Right. Uh, and you it know, builds your immunology. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, taking care of our friends and family can help us to relieve stress, that feeling of care, right? When we experience that feeling of care, right? That's part of what I talk about when I, when I teach the resilience. Um, when you experience that feeling of care, you actually help to uh, reduce the cortisol in your system. And you've got to be able to balance that with the self-care, right? We're probably all feeling a little bit zoomed out, but uh, you know, sometimes a face, seeing a face goes a long way. Uh, to help us feel more connected and, and less isolated. Uh, another thing, and, and I think Maggie, you were the one of, one of the people that I heard this from. I heard this from a number of places, but I know I heard it from you too. You know, this idea about, you know, social distancing, social isolation. If we can find a different term for it uh, that isn't so 
triggering. Um, you know, that when we call it social distancing, it really triggers this reaction of isolation. And um, as your listeners know, a big part of compassion and diversity is making these small shifts in getting focused on what we want instead of what we don't want. So there's another episode that we talked about that on where I said, you know, what do you stand for instead of fight against? And so, right. you know, what do we focus on? You know, maybe it's, you know, uh, you know, physical distancing rather than social distancing. I know that one's only a slight change. Maybe there's some better terminology out there. Um, but, uh, but I think we need to kind of shift what we're calling it here uh, to get people thinking differently about it. Um, and you talked about that. Um, yeah. What do you stand for instead of fight against? And that, that was a very powerful episode. And if I remember right, that was episode 86, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was 86. Okay. All right. So, cool. So, okay. Social and, distancing, maybe let's call it physical distancing. Then yeah. we don't feel like we're isolated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the self-care, the, the change of terminology, uh, making conscious effort to learn other perspectives. So, so this really kind of gets into the, you know, the social media is geared to drive us to our own biases. We've got to be conscious about learning other perspectives. So, you know, talk to different people, um, widening our circle, being conscious about taking on different perspectives. You know, the thing is human beings are very tribal. We're comfortable with people who look and act like us. Uh, and, and when we take on different perspectives, it can feel very uncomfortable, but it is important to help manage these biases. And then, and then the last thing is really build resilience. I've already alluded to resilience. I've actually on, on my Facebook page a number of times this year have, have run a series of doing uh, resilience tech, building resilience techniques and things like that. Uh, but underlying all of compassionate diversity is this idea of resilience. And so again, your listeners who are, who are regular here have heard me talk about heart math out of Northern California, and they actually define resilience as the capacity to prepare for, recover from, and adapt in the face of stress, challenge, and adversity. And so learning a few simple techniques, practicing them a couple times a day can make a really big difference as well. Okay. Now that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. So we have tools available to us. It just might not be the tools that we typically think of when we hear tools. A lot of this is self. Yeah. Yep. And it's self-management, it's self-leadership, it's awareness. Most importantly, it's applying. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can't learn, you know, development. I, I tell everybody I, I, I coach development is a combination of learning and experience. We can spend a lot of time learning, but if we don't put that learning into practice, you know, theory and reality are two different things. <laughs> right? And so in order to develop effectively, we have to learn, we have to put that into practice. You know, there's things that we can do also, but if we don't understand, have some of the base understanding, that's not going to give us our full development either. So, you know, that goes either way, but we do need that balance of learning and, and experience. You know, and so all of these things, you know, that I've, that I've suggested here, you know, yes, they are self, 
yes, they, they are learning, but, you know, with the resilience also, you know, learning the, the, the experience when you're learning different perspectives, you know, step into that experience, you know, you know, ex- practice that experience. So it's a combination of the two. Right. And as small business owners, we need to be aware of creating a workspace place for all of this to happen. And, um, hopefully the more positive things versus the negative things. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and be aware of that. And instead of going to shaming and blaming when people aren't doing the right thing, as we just learned, be very cautious about how you're redirecting people because you could be distancing them even further from what you mm-hmm. want them to get. Wow. This and, is- and read chapter four for the process. Ah, okay. So there you have it. Read chapter four for the process in, should I just start our closing? (laughs) No, you're in chapter three, by the way, not four. Oh, hey, Shalini's chapter is really good too. (laughs) Yeah, she's four. And you two actually it was chapter four last time. <laughs> it, it's really funny because you two are um, not direct competitors, but oftentimes people would see you as that. You have very different focus and approach yeah. and body of wisdom. Yet both of you help us work on the people performance pillar. So you know, thank you. But that was funny. <laughs> okay, so listeners, here's the deal. <laughs> Even though she can't count and she has. An advanced math degree. I was going to say, I'm <laughs> college math, and I don't know the difference between three and four. Um, that, that's okay. That's just Susan McCustion, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> if you want to learn more and engage with Susan, she is definitely a number one international bestselling author. Um, <laughs> go ahead and read chapter three in volume four. That's the purple one of Brilliant Breakthroughs for the Small Business Owner. And at the end of that chapter, Susan has an invitation for you. And it's one that I would encourage you to go ahead and accept. It's free. And Susan, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what that is? Yeah, so that's my uh, seven day challenge. So underlying compassion and diversity are are seven seven principles. Uh, Those principles are awareness, authenticity, vulnerability, open-mindedness, emotional intelligence, letting go, and continuous learning. Uh, and in that, um, that seven-day challenge, we take a, 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 one of those principles each day and really break it down, uh, give you some, uh, some exercises to think about over the day, um, practice different perspectives, and, and, and build your, your knowledge and, and awareness around each of these principles. Okay, so you give some education, and then uh, ways that we can practice it, right? Work. You got (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Love that. Plus at the end of Susan's chapter, she has all her different social media sites. Um, so you can go ahead and connect with her there. And there's something really cool right now. You can see everything about the book, how to get a hold of it. And any one of our authors and all our podcasts for that matter, um, by going to your app store and typing brilliant biz book. I'll say that again, brilliant biz book. And when you download that, 
there's a feature called Ask an Expert. You'll see Susan McCustion's name there. We have two Susans in our series so far. So Susan McCustion, click on her name, type your question, and she'll reply back to you. Right? Right. Okay. And Absolutely. if and if you make a mistake and you do the other Susan, they'll figure it out. They're, they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> She'll just text me and let me know. <laughs> right. She'll say, oh, I think this one's for you. <laughs> so we'll work it out even if you make a, oh, oh. But there's something else that I think is really important for you to know. As we've referenced, uh, Susan has been doing quite a few episodes in our podcast. And I'll share the, the numbers with you so you can go back and listen. Because I think that what we've done so far is nice foundational work for where we're at now. And uh, these will be in the show notes, but it's episode 58, 71, 78, 86, 94, 99, 140, and 154. We have fun. We talk about be a carrot. I knew you were be a carrot. Say, oh, Maggie, you, I knew you were going to bring that up. Oh. <laughs> But I think that's important to know that there's that we we're real in this yeah. because this is a really intense topic yeah. and we've and we've had some goofy little fun along the way <laughs> and owned all of our truths, good or bad or indifferent. <laughs> so it's we're all human. good. That's, and that's what it's all about. So we work to be connected and make it real. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So. Thanks for your time and your wisdom sharing today, Susan. Thank you, Maggie. I always enjoy our conversations. Thanks so much. You got it. And listeners, we appreciate you listening to the Brilliant Breakthroughs Business Podcast, where you learn about how to create more brilliant breakthroughs for your small business. Shine brightly until next week. <laughs>